welcome to the Slow the Fuck Down Show. I'm sensuality coach Casey Hall. And I'm trauma healer Elizabeth Menzel. Each episode we choose a theme and explore different stories, skills, and songs on that theme to help slow you down and lift you up throughout the pandemic and beyond. On today's episode, slow the fuck down with happiness. Get cozy, grab your favorite beverage, and soak in our soothing support. By the end of the show, you'll walk away with practical skills that actually work. So there's a lot of conflict in our society around happiness. On the one hand, happiness gets a bad rap. It's judged as not important, not serious, only naive people are happy. It's not seen as valuable. Yeah, there almost seems to be this judgment that in order to be happy, you have to have been a trust fund kid, or you don't really understand how the real world works? Well, when I was a punk rock teenager, (laughs) I had a lot of resentment around people that were happy. I worked at an expensive store on Melrose Avenue in West Hollywood, and it was full of trust fund kids and really wealthy people shopping. And I was 16, living on my own and, you know, eating from change I found in the couch. So I had a lot of resentment around people that were relaxed and people that were happy. Now my career revolves around making people relaxed and happy. It's like literally my job as a a trauma healer. Didn't you found the Happy Woman Academy? I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. See, so you've come a long way. I've come a long way. It's been a long, it's been a long arduous journey with my own happiness. That is for freaking sure. And so we've got all these judgments like you had when you were younger on one hand. And on the other hand, people also want to be seen as happy, right? You can look at Instagram or Facebook profiles. People post the best parts of their life that make them happy. And then what happens is that's all we see of other people is their happiest moments. And it can create this illusion that happiness is the, is the norm. And anything other than that is perceived as less than or lacking. Right. It is this total conflict. So if you're feeling conflict about happiness, we get it. And we dedicate today's show to you. I remember when the song Happy came out. That song blew up. It was number one in 24 countries. It won a Grammy. I think my mom had it as a ringtone for like three years. (laughs) When I looked up the definition of happy, I said it's a feeling or showing of pleasure or contentment. And I was like, huh, it almost seemed like it was more reachable than my mind had created the concept of happy to be. Like in your mind, it was built up to this unachievable aim in some way. Yeah. And where showing pleasure or contentment, yeah, you you can find that in a lot of things. Yeah. So it made it more reachable and attainable when you heard that definition. For me, true happiness comes from just feeling centered. It's interesting because I think I've come so far with it that that for me, just that centered feeling, it doesn't have to have like great joy to it. I, I do consider that happiness. Just just that uh, that sense of feeling calm and centered. For me, happiness has come as I've embraced more of myself, my dark and my light sides, and I have a full range of emotion without getting stuck in the highs and lows like I used to. We did an entire workshop. It's a one-hour workshop 
called Empowered Anyway class, and it's actually on our Slow the F Down show page, where we talk about what it is to be centered. And in terms of happiness, I find that I can access happiness, feeling of pleasure or contentment, 10 times easier when I'm centered first, when I get centered first. So for me, it's about bringing myself to center and then happiness becomes accessible. I think that's the difference between real, actual, true happiness, that pleasure, contented feeling, and like forcing yourself to try to feel happy and it's really fake and inauthentic. I think the centeredness and feeling that pleasure and contentment is for me at least what what true happiness feels like. I love that. Um, Elizabeth has shown me the ropes in terms of posting on social media and getting into that entire world. And I had so much frustration with it at first because I felt like I just had to show things that were putting me in this light of, of being happy and upbeat. And it felt so inauthentic. It felt work like work. It felt icky. And then whenever I had a shift of like, wait a second, let me get centered first and then come up with what I want to post about, then the post was genuinely happy. It's interesting because I had more attachment to the likes and the comments whenever I was in that kind of inauthentic happiness, trying to get it. And then when I was just like, oh, you know what? I don't care. This is just... I'm having fun doing this and this is helping people and I just want to share it. Then it came out more authentic. And then, of course, ironically, more people liked it. Well, of course they did. <laughs> I think that people are more in tune with their feelings and energetics than maybe they even know they are. And they can sense when something's authentic or when something's sort of crafted, inauthentic, trying to be coercive in any way. And, you know, part of part of trauma is that trauma and coercion go hand in hand. So we always do our best to never be coercive and to just be authentic, real, and truly joyful. I mean, you hear us giggling and laughing a lot when we're doing our podcast, and it is utterly sincere. <laughs> I edit most of the laughter out because there is so much of it when we're recording. There's so much joy present and happiness present because we are being centered and connected to ourselves. And I love this. I mean, even in this just first few seconds, like we're, we're bouncing around and looking at all the different aspects of happiness, all the different ways it can present itself. And I think it's both objective and subjective. We each have our own experience of what true joy, happiness, pleasure, contentment is for us. For me, I bounced between anxiety and depression for most of my life. And there were so many times when I truly thought I will never be happy again, because that's what depression does. It makes you think that you're stuck in darkness forever, and that's all there is, and you don't deserve anything else, and you can't see a way out. I felt scared to feel happy, because happiness felt virally vulnerable to me. So I was always kind of in this waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, if I feel happy, then something bad is going to happen. Something's going to whack me over the head. So I can't let myself feel too happy because then I'm going to be punished. I mean, it sounds so nuts to say it now, but that's how I lived a lot of my life. It doesn't sound nuts at all. I think a lot of listeners could relate to that. Yeah, like when I was new in my relationship with Dale, poor Dale, I mean, I had gone through so many years of horrible relationships and abusive marriage. By the time I got to him, 
I had a lot of relationship baggage. Now, I had spent two years in a morning and night manifestation practice of shifting my energy to get out of negative or abusive relationship patterns because I didn't want to create that again. So I really put a lot of effort into it. That's what I write about in my book, Supercharge Your Love Vibe, exactly how I did that. So I had gotten to this place where I was clean enough and I had uh, healthy enough energy frequencies around healthy, happy relationships that I manifested Dale, but I had still never been in a truly happy, healthy relationship. So I still had to work through all of my own fears. I was going to say, especially in those first few months, but it was really like the first four years because I had never had a relationship longer than four years. So part of me was like, wow, if I make it past four years, I'm in. But I remember in the very beginning of the relationship, my girlfriend saying to me, so how's it going with Dale? Are you happy with him? My answer was this super tentative, well, you know, like so far, yeah, because I couldn't even let myself fully feel how happy I was. I was so happy. Happiness didn't feel safe enough for me to fully settle into yet. I love that you bring safety as a factor into your ability to feel happiness because I think that's something that's often not talked about when we talk about our ability to be happy. Exactly. Part of the brain's job is to keep you safe, keep you alive. So it's always looking out for negative things around you. And what happiness training does is help to take your threat level down so that, yeah, you can stay alert, you can stay aware, you can stay safe, but you are also able to intentionally look towards the positive too and get yourself more and more used to feeling okay, right? I mean, I've been in the personal growth field professionally since 1993, and I've become an expert in the neurobiology of trauma and happiness because it is so fascinating. It is such a neurological event <laughs> and directly ties in with stress, hormones, how your brain functions, how your brain is wired, your neural pathways. It all works together in order for you to be able to feel safe enough to feel happy. There is a direct correlation there. Because anytime that stress builds up in our system or that we have specific traumas, we actually lose our ability to produce dopamine, to produce happy hormones. So we lose our ability and our desire to feel happy. And we think, maybe I can't feel happy. Maybe I can't really feel that good. And then we start to identify with ourselves as broken, as bad, as wrong, as less than, instead of identifying with our true nature, which is pure love and equanimity and contentedness and joy and peace. So there's this whole thing in happiness training where you raise your happiness set point. We're all used to feeling the way that we feel. So the raising your happiness set points means raising your ability to even produce those happy hormones, to feel safe, to rewire your brain for positive thoughts. And the more you practice, the better you get at being able to access good feelings more easily. And then that becomes your new normal. So where my normal walking around was mostly like really anxious and also very depressed, that was my normal. That was my set point. So it took me this training and this repetition over and over to have more contentedness, pleasure, and joy 
be my new normal, my new happiness set point. And I continue to raise it. I, I still do it through nonlinear movement, through my happy woman formula, the five steps based in neurobiology to train yourself to feel happy. And so instead of bouncing between highs and lows, anxiety and depression like I always used to, I mostly feel good all the time. And then I have dips like I did yesterday. I had a PTSD episode yesterday. Um, I was able to stay kind to myself, to move my body, to nourish my body with good food, to curl up on the couch under a blanket and read a book that I love, to let Casey know how I was feeling, and she responded with love. Like, I can do that now instead of finding ways to isolate, hurt myself, and make my situation even worse and perpetuate my suffering, really. That's that's a huge shift. I feel like a different person. You know, right now, because of the pandemic, anxiety and depression rates are through the roof. And so back when you were in that state that you share where you're kind of oscillating between those two, if someone would have been like, hey, Liz, just be happier. Oh, God, don't you want to punch people that say that shit? <laughs> like happiness is just some simple choice. And, and it's not. From what you just shared, there's a chemical reason why it's difficult to even fathom being happy. Right. You, you lose your ability. You actually lose your ability to feel happy. Again, from your story, you, know, you also showed that through practicing, that through slowly rewiring the brain, that you can go from state of anxiety and depression to where you are now, who is a, a happiness expert and somebody who also knows what to do Whenever you feel yourself dipping back into the more trouble states like yesterday with the PTSD. Yeah, it's very rare that I have flashbacks and stuff like I did yesterday. And I think it might have been triggered that I'm also going through menopause. And so I was super hormonal. My boobs are huge. They hurt. So I think it was a perfect storm yesterday. But still, within three hours, I was out the other side. That's amazing. That's what rewiring your brain and doing the work that we do in the Happy Woman Academy is so close to my heart and so important to me. And I live it. There's a piece there that speaks to the resiliency of doing happiness practices. I mean, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And there's a lot of places that people are struggling. It's not going to get better overnight in that ability to be resilient is and is going to remain a really important factor moving forward. So all of these judgments that our society puts onto happiness, like it's not important, it's not valuable, it's naive. We've got some stats that will directly debunk those judgments. So get this, multiple studies conclude that happier people are more productive, that income increases the happier that people are, and that happier people save more and have more control over their finances. A University of College London study found that people who are happy as young adults go on to earn more than their peers later on in life. Researchers at the Wharton Business School found that companies with happy employees outperform the stock market year after year. Boom. So there is some financial proof right there that happiness is valuable, even in a capitalist society. And there's an extensive German study 
that shows how happier people have a higher desire to vote, perform more volunteer work, have a higher respect for law and order, hold more association memberships, are more attached to their neighborhood, and extend more help to others. So happy people tend to leave a more positive impact on society. In addition to the societal and financial benefits, happiness also has many scientifically proven benefits. Research has shown that the happier you are, the more effective you are in all areas of your life. Specifically, happy people make better choices and are more creative. Happier people live longer, have a lower risk of heart disease, and are 50% less likely to get a cold. Happier people have more good friends and happier friends. Yeah, psychologist James H. Fowler studied the data of 5,000 people over 20 years and found a statistical relationship not just between your happiness and your friend's happiness, but between your happiness and your friend's, friend's, friend's happiness. A few months ago, one of my friends and I were making plans to hang out and she goes, man, I just need some good, happy Casey vibes in my life. And it was such a sweet compliment. And, uh, and it really got me thinking too. I remember a few years ago, I was looking at my boyfriend's Facebook and he pulled it up and he was showing me something. And all of the posts were uplifting or someone was creating something or um, they were just so real. And I remember looking at his Facebook and being like, wow. And because he always used to say, I love Facebook and I love checking my Facebook. And I was like, I don't like checking my Facebook. I think, you know, checking my Facebook is stressful. And when my friend said that she needed some good, happy Casey vibes in her life, it kind of prompted this reflection state of just how much I have worked on cultivating genuine happiness in my life over the past three years and how much now if I look on my Facebook feed I have that same feeling when I looked at my boyfriends of like I love these people and I'm genuinely happy for them and I genuinely am inspired by them. So as you've felt happier within yourself, you have seen people that you're choosing to have around you also are happier people. Yeah, just like that study mentioned. That's amazing. That's really cool. But again, it's not like I was born and then I farted rainbows and unicorns and then I've remained happy ever since, right? It's a training. It is, it is a training, like we said, it's a training of the brain, just like anything else, just like wellness. You don't stay healthy by doing nothing. Relationships don't stay amazing by doing nothing. And how cool that we can practice happiness, because that was a foreign concept to me until a couple years ago. Yeah, you, you don't get better at an instrument unless you practice. So you got to practice happiness. I've had people say to me, not only did you bring me hope, you brought me the steps. Like, I can actually do this. So, yes, there is hope, but it's actually practical. Like, there's practical steps you can take. There is actual, real happiness training. And how have you seen this come up in your work as a trauma healer? Oh, gosh. I remember this client I had that when she came to me, she was feeling really unhappy. It's why she came to me. And as we started to work together... It was so freaking interesting because she actually had a really amazing life. She had a wonderful career. And although there was conflict within her career, it was in alignment with her highest good. 
She had a beautiful home in a beautiful place with a loving husband and two amazing children. She could only feel happiness for a few moments at a time. And then it was gone. So she specifically came to me to, in her words, find out what the fuck was wrong with her. (laughs) that She couldn't feel happiness. And of course, we found it was directly related to a childhood trauma that she thought she had worked through in therapy. But it was the dregs of the trauma that were holding on in her system. And it was this loss of ability to produce dopamine and sustain happy feelings. So that that can happen in someone who has a great life. (laughs) Like, of course it can happen to the rest of us who don't have all of those things. We got to the root and we really just trained, trained, trained in creating new neural pathways to positive thoughts and really working through deserving to feel happy. Because of that specific trauma, she felt she didn't deserve to feel happy. So even though all these good things were in her life, she felt she didn't deserve them and that she shouldn't be allowed to feel them, right? So there was this numbness which is part of post-traumatic stress, right? That freeze, that numbness that we had to release, re-enliven, and reclaim her worth around feeling good. And it was interesting because throughout that process, like her, you know, she just kept getting closer with her husband. Her sex life got better. Her career really took off and she just kept making like positive manifestation after like really getting all of these amazing opportunities. Whenever we check in with each other, she's so joyful. She's so thrilled to share what's up with her. And it's just been a really deep and beautiful transformation. That's really beautiful. And towards the beginning of your story, I was feeling my body kind of like contracting, contracting, contracting by the end. And you talked about how she is now and how she's able to access that that deeper, more more genuine level of happiness. I'm just like, wow, what a game changer. How did that change every aspect of her life? I'm curious, you know, how long would you say from when you started working with her until you saw that shift did it take? We started to work together at the beginning of the year And by spring, the shift had already started. She was so much lighter when she'd come to her sessions. You know, when we started, everything was heavy. Everything was hard. We had to slow down her habitual reactions to deaden and numb and contain everything. Like really putting a lid on that joy. Because like me, it was too vulnerable. It was too scary to feel that much energy coursing through you. So we have to take the healing at a slow pace so it doesn't overwhelm the nervous system because even good things like happiness can feel like a threat because they're different. They're what we're not used to. So by spring, she started to come to the sessions with more light, more playfulness, more hope, And then it was about five or six months in where the new manifestations really started to kick in. The new opportunities started coming to her. Um, And within that time, like things were getting better and better with her husband. She was able to slow down with him too, like her temper. Like she had had 
a short temper with him. And now she could slow that down and see his side more easily and be more loving and be more romantic. Casey knows this as a sensuality coach. You can shift the way you look at, speak to, and touch somebody. And we're going to do a whole episode about that in February in our month of love coming up. But there's there's different things you can do by slowing down your reactions to someone so that you can respond with more love and joy. Beautiful. And so in order to get her to the place that she is now, in the beginning, it required a lot of little slow down, slow down, slow down, slow downs. But if you look at it big picture, after four decades of her being stuck in the pattern that was causing her unhappiness, she was able to rewire it. And while you're in it, you know, six months to a year seems like such a long time. But when you compare it to her 40 years of suffering and my 40 years of suffering, like it's nothing compared to that. And where would you be this time next year if you didn't start doing it now? So we are going to teach you some happiness slowdown skills after we tell you what the most important part of happiness is. Happiness feels freaking awesome! <laughs> We're going to teach you some happiness slowdown skills right after a commercial break and word from our sponsor. Hey, slowdown fans, get excited! The epic annual vision board party is going virtual in 2021. It's totally free. Save your magazines. Go to the happywomanacademy.com slash 2021 to register for this January 23 all day virtual event. Hey, Slowdown fans. It's me, Mother Nature. Studies show that your ability to emotionally connect with me can actually predict your level of happiness. So why not spend some time and get to know me a bit? I've been told I'm endlessly fascinating and one hell of a teacher. Happiness skill number one, neuroscience research has proven that it takes five positive thoughts to neutralize one negative thought. So you need six positive thoughts per every negative thought to even start to feel happy. So every time you find yourself saying something mean, scary, or harsh to yourself, I want you to replace it with something loving, kind that you can say to yourself and say it six or more times. Slow down skill number two. For your happiness training, come up with six go-to actions that make you happy. Write them down and have them with you at all times. You could do this using the notes feature on your phone. You can physically write it out on a piece of paper in your purse somewhere where you can access it. Yeah, it's your happiness cheat sheet. And it can be really, really simple. The things that you know already work for you. Like for me, having a cup of tea, gardening, taking a walk, being in nature moving somehow, dancing or nonlinear movement method, and coloring in my David Bowie coloring book. Things that make me happy are ice cream, walking, dancing, looking out the window. I have this really cool like rainbow decal that when the light hits through, it just like shines it all throughout my house. And it's this cool iridescent thing that makes me happy. Eating hot soup and taking baths. <laughs> nice, nice. So these sound really simple, and I think one of the hardest things in my happiness training programs, one of the hardest things to get people over is it's allowed to be easy to raise your happiness set point. 
You're constantly turning your thoughts, your words, your attention, and your actions to things that feel good. You're building your ability to produce dopamine and to release all of your mental emotional blocks around feeling happy. So keep it simple. Do the things that already work. You want six or more because if you only have one thing that makes you happy, then you only have one neural pathway to happiness and that's addiction. So we want you to have many neural pathways to happiness. We want you to keep building and reinforcing them. Remember, the more you think happy thoughts and take happy actions, the stronger the neural pathways in your brain get, the faster the currents move through them, and then the easier it is to think happy thoughts and do happy things. Happiness skill number three. So Harvard spent 80 years studying happiness and found out that the number one key habit that makes people happier is nurturing good relationships. Those relationships can be romantic, they can be familial, they can be amongst friends. Your chosen family. And so how do you nurture good relationships? You remember that you're on the same team. Yeah, the people who love you and the people you love aren't adversaries. They're not your enemies. They're your friends. They're your loved ones. You're on the same side. You're on the same team together. And I was good with my friends. You know, my, my friends I saw as my allies. I saw on the same team. But in my romantic relationships, I secretly thought that my partner was my enemy. <laughs> I remember in my 20s, a boyfriend looking at me and saying, you know, I'm not your enemy. I want the same thing you want. Let's work this out. And I wish it had stuck then because it wasn't until 20 years later when I was with Dale and he, from the very beginning of our relationship, was like, babe, we're on the same team. I'm on your team here. And I realized I was still doing that same thing of not thinking that he could possibly be on my team. I wasn't brought up with that concept that somebody had my back, that somebody was there for me, that somebody actually wanted me to win too. Right, I was still caught up in there's a winner and there's a loser. If you're not winning, you're losing. <laughs> if you're not first, you're last. So I had that going on inside of me. And this whole thing of like, we can both be winners here. We're on the same team. No matter what, we're here together. And him saying, I, I want you to be happy, babe. I had to literally learn how to not go into my knee-jerk reaction of thinking that someone else that loved me didn't have my best interest at heart. It's made such a difference in my own mind and my own feelings to know, not just think, but to know that Dale and I are on the same team. And I am still 12 years later working on embodying that deeper and deeper and deeper and coming to those deeper layers of trust, safety. But it took me changing a really negative internal pattern and habit that had been ingrained in me. I love that skill. I remember you actually shared that with me, same team, and I've applied that to my relationships. And it's been a huge game changer, not only to my personal relationship, my romantic relationship, but also my familial relationships and people that I don't get to see in person, but talk to on Zoom. Well, because mostly all we have now is Zoom. <laughs> So, you know, I know people have Zoom fatigue, but I'm also really grateful for it. 
because we can still see the people we love most and nurture those relationships. So we learned that a way to cultivate happiness is to nurture good relationships. But in the context that we're in right now, the pandemic and this epidemic of loneliness, that's a little bit easier said than done. And you just shared, you know, one way to do that is to connect over Zoom. And research has also shown that a key way that people seem to be able to break the cycle of loneliness and begin to develop good relationships is to volunteer. So our fourth happiness skill is COVID-friendly volunteering. A U.S. study involving 6,000 widowed women found that those who started volunteering for just two hours or more per week found that their average level of loneliness subsided to match that of married adults. What's more, they found that volunteering was especially helpful for older people who are more likely to be lonely in the first place. And perhaps not surprisingly, it turns out volunteering is scalable. The more often you volunteer, the more relationships you're likely to develop. That's so great. You know, when I first moved from Boulder, Colorado back to Los Angeles, I hadn't been in touch with a lot of my friends for years. There wasn't Facebook yet, so I didn't have a way to get back in touch with people. And so I instinctively found a volunteer opportunity. And it was really a wonderful experience. And I stayed volunteering at Inside Out Community Arts. It was a, it was an after school theater program for at risk youth. And I made amazing friends there who I am still friends with 14 years later, who have been very important in my life. And uh, it really helped me feel more connected to other people, the community, like I was doing something good. It brought so much joy and happiness into my life. I love that. And the really cool opportunity here is if you choose to volunteer with organizations or at places that you're genuinely interested in, you know, over the next few months or so, maybe that contact is just going to be Zoom. But eventually when things open up, you now have a community in your area that you're already connected in with, and how much more exciting will it be to be able to connect with those people? Like how happy will that make you? In person, yeah. Yeah, in person. So that's the motivation. Find something you love, find something you're passionate that calls to your heart and connect, volunteer, and then grow your grow your happiness tribe. And we know this stuff can be hard to do on your own. We are here to help you. Go ahead and set up a free consultation with each of us at slowthefdownshow.com. And now for our slowdown playlist. Elizabeth, what's your slowdown song this episode? My slowdown song is Love and Happiness by Al Green. Oh, it's such a good groove. It's like this slow, steady groove that really gets you feeling in that pleasure and contentment. Nice. My slowdown song is Love Will Find a Way by Mike Love. Oh, nice. Which is a really cool name if that's his actual real name. But um, And it, it features several other artists on it. And it's one of those ones that when you hear it, it's just uplifting. It's like, yeah, we're in the shit, but it's going to get better. So <laughs> Nice. 
Our slowdown fan, Nicole Covert's slowdown song is Good Times by Sam Cooke. Another awesome, soulful slowdown song that makes you feel happy. We will have all of these posted on our Facebook page, Slow the F Down Show. So go there to build your slowdown playlist. So Elizabeth, what was your favorite part of today's show? Oh my gosh, you know, I go all over the world talking about happiness. Um, And I think my favorite part was I had a realization at the very beginning when we first started talking between how much I used to judge people that were relaxed and happy and now I teach people how to feel relaxed and happy. (laughs) I know that sounds so ridiculous that I haven't put together that direct correlation before. Of my utter, like, punk rock contempt and resentment. (laughs) And how over the years I have completely come to the other side. But what's so great about that is that I get it. I get why people judge and are contemptuous and resentful of happiness. I lived it. And, you know, especially right now with like the very real state of the world, happiness might seem so far out of reach. So I love that you had that realization. And I love that you've gotten to this place where you can see that transformation of like punk rock Liz and like where you are now, who, by the way, there's still a lot of punk rock (laughs) in other ways. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And people aren't just dealing with trauma from their past. We're going through a traumatic time right now. So happiness might seem unobtainable for you in this moment. But remember, it bears repeating, happiness does directly tie in with your ability to feel safe. So you do need to get those survival needs taken care of, your housing, your food, your job. We get that. This is serious, real stuff. And simultaneously, you get to find joy wherever you can and allow yourself to also feel good. That will help you build your resilience and get through this tough time and come out the other side. Just like you probably have in the past, just like I have, we are going to get through this. Casey and I will keep being here for you. We've still got two years of show topics to get through, so we're going to be here for you for a long time to come, supporting you through this, helping you to release your trauma and reclaim your happiness. Casey, what was your favorite part of today's show? I mean, that was like a little mic drop moment, so it's kind of hard to follow that. (laughs) have a little one and then a bigger one my little one is I really enjoyed sharing all of the facts and statistics around how happiness is so beneficial across all areas of life and then my big one was just an overall appreciation and you mentioned it but how much you and I you know separately have worked to be able to center ourselves and cultivate happiness and then how much that factors into the creation process of these podcasts you know, this is genuinely awesome. Like I I was telling somebody the other day, they're like, well, what have you been up to? And I'm like, started a podcast. And they're like, how's it going? I'm like, well, it's a shit ton of work. And there's a lot of learning curve. But I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think it's because of that, you know, of many factors, but that that common 
uh, root in that theme of happiness that just kind of weaves in and out of um, this whole process that keeps it fun and motivating and enjoyable and inspiring. Yeah, the joy of creation, making art is such a joyful process. And especially during these challenging times, allowing yourself to continue doing things that make you happy, even if they're challenging, even if there's a bunch of shit going on that really sucks, letting yourself have that happiness, join with other people. I think it's even more critically important now that we are going through this hard time to practice happiness and get that joy where we can so we don't totally fall into the darkness. It keeps us going. Yeah. It's not the time to delay happiness. It's the time to lean in. It is. And that directly ties into our next episode, which is Slow the Fuck Down from Manifesting from Fear. Thank you for listening and enjoy your slowdown.